Welcome to Preparedness Thoughts with John Stephenson. John understands the importance of being prepared. Through rain, rocks, and snow, he has seen it all and survived. He has seen major disasters like Mount St. Helens and how vehicles were stopped in the street from the volcanic ash. Earthquakes, too, including the Loma Prieta earthquake, which felt like it wouldn't stop shaking. People were without electricity and could not hardly buy groceries or gasoline. The homeless lit bonfires in the streets. The Bay Bridge and other freeways were broken. God only knows what will be next. Welcome to Preparedness Thoughts by John Stephenson. We invite Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit to guide us as we examine how our preparations can be used to preserve the life of ourselves, our family, and others. Plain old simple problems can happen in life, and those little things can quite often be disruptive. Let's consider a few of the little things which have happened to me. They've probably happened to you too. I've had a paper cut on the finger, a burn on the thumb, or somehow there's been a cut which bleeds and somehow refuses to close up. All sorts of things are quite annoying, but they're not serious problems, not as serious goes. But these things do slow you down. I have had a headache and no aspirin. I've slipped in the shower and hit my elbow. That slowed me down for a day or two. I've sewed a button and accidentally put a needle into my thumb. That hurt quite a while. Days. I needed to make a quick trip, but the gas gauge was on empty, so I had to stop for gas first. And I've had things left in my car at night, but I didn't have a flashlight to look for them. My bicycle has had a flat, but then there was no air pump. My phone charger got chewed up by a pet. Once it got ran over by the car. These are things that are quite inconvenient. I've needed a Band-Aid, but the first aid kit was nowhere to be found. And then I found the first aid kit another time, but the Band-Aids were all gone. Other things are, well, I've locked the keys in the car, and the spare key was not where it was supposed to be. The same thing has happened for the house key. I have locked myself out of the house, and the, and the house key, the spare key, was gone. I've had to stay someplace overnight unexpectedly, and I didn't bring a toothbrush or a change of clothes. Well, I've lost my glasses before. They've even broken once. So these things have happened to me, they're little things. They're not great big emergencies, but they might also have happened to you, and if they have, you know how inconvenient it is to have happen. These things that happen on a day-to-day -day basis can be minimized just by having a little forethought and a little planning. You can take care of situations by thinking of them in advance and having spares around or having the things you need for those little things that are just a pretty big bother. They're not serious, but they are a bother. And all you have to do is give them some forethought, make a few plans, and you can minimize all these little problems that come up. And that's what I urge you to do. Give these some things now. Think and make preparations now before there's an urgent need, and what you want is hard to find. When the grocery stores are out of food, when the hardware store is out of supplies, it happens quick. It happens in an hour, maybe two, after an emergency is announced. This is episode 14, and I would like you to remember to give thanks to God for all the blessings that you do have on this day. Your letters with questions or donations are important. John Stephenson, P.O. Box 7222, Chico, California, 95927. 
Email prepareforgod at usa.com or call 628-7222. Thank you for listening to Preparedness Thoughts on KKXX. My Savior God to Thee How great Thou art How great Thou art Settle up your horses Welcome to Red Sky Radio with Rob Walter. This is the program that proclaims liberty to the captives of our beloved nation, where truth trumps political correctness, where the uncompromised word of God exposes the works of darkness and sets free those held hostage behind the iron curtain of a shamelessly biased media. For God has called us to stand for truth, and having done all to stand, we will stand. It's time to fight the good fight of faith to preserve our country, our families, fortunes, and sacred honor to protect our property, our schools, and yes, maybe even salvage some of our churches. America, we have a trail to blaze. It's time to saddle up. It's time to ride. Now, here is your host of Red Sky Radio, Rob Walter. Well, hello, America, and welcome to the world here to Red Sky Radio, where we ride hard for the brand of Jesus Christ. God bless you. Another packed program as always, we'll let you know we try to start with good news. We do start with good news. I try to end with good news. In between, you just have to hang on. It can be a wild ride. God bless you all. I appreciate the, the, the growth of this listening audience. I think last, gosh, last week we had north of uh, all stations combined. for the, I think we had north of 85,000. And so I thank you for listening. Thank you for telling your friends about this program because these are things that while the program is focused on the United States, the problems are not unique to the United States. I did a program earlier this week just for some select countries where uh, the special program was being aired uh, on about 20 stations divided roughly between India, Russia, and Japan about the coming collapse of Taiwan, the beginning of the end. And not tomorrow, not next week, not next year. But Taiwan has peaked and why it has peaked. And the reasons are the same as why the United States has peaked, but for a repentance at, the, at a level which has actually only ever been seen once in, uh, gosh, I don't know, once in all of Scripture. And that was the nation, the city-state of Nineveh that repented, and it was spared from destruction. It's the only time I see that in all of Scripture. So can it happen? Yes. Does it happen often? No. It's rare. A nation usually does not quit its descent into the abyss of hell until it crashes, burns, and it's on fire, and then they finally get it, and people turn to the gospel. That's what's happening in the United States in today's program well, I've got a couple of weak good news stories. You're going to hear how weak they are because sometimes I just got to go a long ways to find something good happening. I am going to end with something positive. I will promise you that. But we seem to be just screaming towards a civil war uh, week by week. And I'm going to give you proof of that today and why, and this is how it applies to everybody listening in, in the entire world, why there's a difference between nations. Nations, well, there's a difference between nations that are lost. I'm, I'm talking about nations that don't serve God. There are really two kinds of nations involved. And it's better to be in one nation than another at a point in time, one that is lost because it doesn't know the word of God, hasn't known the word of God, and a nation that has rejected the word of God. Two totally different considerations, which I've touched on already. We'll get deeper into it. But first, good news, more new good news, actually coming out of the great state of Alabama. Alabama, which is just taking heat left and right for its great 
pro-life bill that it passed in its legislature. And who I might add, the left always saying, well, you're going to, who's going to take care of all these babies that you force these women to have and blah, blah, blah. Do you know there's no state, I just found this out yesterday, no state has a higher percentage of adoptions out of foster care than Alabama. It's because there's a lot of God-fearing people in Alabama. I heard another person the other day just really trash Mississippi. Now, I've only been in Mississippi once in my life. It was for about one day. Stayed there in Jackson overnight. One hot summer night in July where you could just sort of, things just hung in the air. The humidity was so high. The poorest state in all of the United States. The poorest state. And yet, Mississippi has the highest percentage of people's income going to support charities, all charities, and specifically including churches. So the poorest state in the nation actually is the most charitable state in the nation. So don't knock, don't knock Mississippi. But let's get going here. Okay, coming out of the, the great state of Alabama, the public broadcasting system, which is just a government-funded arm of the left in the United States, has a program which I've never seen called Arthur. Never seen it. have no interest in seeing it. I don't watch public broadcasting. Don't listen to public broadcasting. You know, sometimes I listen to what the left has to say just to see if they are even more ridiculous than last time. But the left this time through the through this program Arthur, a cartoonish deal, is is showing a queer wedding, two guys, two two queer guys doing that which uh, commemorating, I guess you should say that which God calls an utter and abomination. The great state of Alabama, even their PBR station, their public broadcasting st- PBS station, refused to show that episode. So even the left in Alabama is farther to the right than the right is in some states like California and New York. Blows me away. But God bless you guys, I guess, for taking a stand that most, well, 49 other states didn't have the guts to stand. Number two, and I'm done with my good news, and we move on to some other things. Um, this is, I touched on this a few weeks ago where I gave a shout-out, so to speak, to some Muslims in England. Yes, I congratulated them for standing up, being actually the first group anywhere I know of in the West, anywhere that I know of, that has publicly taken an open stand in the streets against the LGBTQRSTUVWXYZ activist community in the English schools that are trying to ram, cram, slam, and jam queer, queer, aram, queer arama down the throats of the government-funded schools and the students that are stuck therein. However, the Muslims, they pulled about 600 of their kids out of this queer, queering school and then started to pelt the LGBTQRSUVWXYZ activists with eggs uh, over uh, their so-called equality lessons. Well, we're all we're created equal, but you don't treat people equally for all of their activities, do we? No, I mean, good people stay out of jail. People that commit murder go to prison or get executed. You don't treat them equally when their behavior is not equal created equal it's what it's part of our declaration of independence all men are created equal but they aren't treated as though they are equal if they do things that are bad that's where the equality separates it's not equality in the form of indifference no matter how bad they've been no matter how many people some guys raped or some guy is killed no we don't treat we may treat all rapists equally yeah, we got that. Or all murderers equally. They all get fried or they all get, you know, life in prison or what have you. But they stood up. Now, the reason I actually brought this up is because you have some broadcasting companies 
like CBS here in the United States, otherwise known as the crappy broadcasting system, that was making fun. They they were their journalists on a program the other day were laughing about the uh, conservative politicians, those who support Brexit in England, getting pelted with milkshakes, and they think it's just real funny that these guys are getting doused with milkshakes. But they are really, really bothered when their little queer friends get pelted with eggs. Now, you, you see, it's always okay to make fun of the people on the right. If they say they just, the right disagrees with something, oh, they're racist, they're homophobic, blah, 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 all the usual nonsense. But when the left gets angry over something that's good and righteous, then there's no amount of violence or physical assault that they apparently deplore. They don't. I mean, let me just ask uh, a rhetorical question here. Let's suppose Obama appeared with Clinton and they got doused with milkshakes by a bunch of conservatives. Do you think that the journalists at the crappy broadcasting system known as CBS would be thinking that's really, really funny and laughing it up in the studio and on the air? Of course not, because they're a pack of hypocrites. Okay, moving on. Now, I've got some things I'm going to cover about abortion, and you're wondering, not again. Well, if I wouldn't cover something dealing with abortion every week if every week there weren't something or some things of note popping up in the American culture. But I say this as a warning to all the other people listening throughout the world here, particularly Ireland, of what's coming to you because you have taken a step down the slippery slope of executing executing innocent unborn human life. It's a slippery slope into the abyss as a nation for which you will be judged and judged severely by God who will not do it right away because God is loving and long-suffering, hoping that you would repent and change. But when after a long period of time you don't, then he's got to act. And it's this is one of those factors that's leading towards a civil war in the United States. So it's sort of, you know, and before I launch on this, uh, if I can go back a few years, people would say, why do you why do you pick on Obama every week? Why do you since we're talking about abortion, why do you do a DNC? on Brock every week and then of course I did on Hillary thereafter when Brock was in the you know in the shadows in the in the in the sunset politically the reason I did was because every single week he would do something that required being shredded being scraped out of the American womb if you will like I said I did a DNC he was he was a miscarriage of justice every single week, it seemed like. And so I would I would nail him every single week. If he didn't do something, I didn't talk about him. And, but this is why I am on the abortion issue almost every week right now, because the pro-aborts, the ones say you're trying to take your right, right, right away to choose. No, you don't get to choose to execute somebody else. When anybody says, I believe in a woman's right to choose, force them to finish the sentence. To choose to do what? To have a baby. No, we're not forcing. That's not what you're choosing to have a baby. The fact is, if you're pregnant, you are having a baby. A baby is in process. The only thing you would choose to do proactively is to kill. So what they're really saying is we want to reserve to the woman the right to choose to execute her innocent unborn child in the womb. Make them finish the sentence, but they won't, <clears throat> lest their sin be uh, manifested before all. But here we go. Ready? There's a movie out, which I haven't seen, called Unplanned. Unplanned. And it is a pro-life movie of stellar quality from what I have heard people say that have seen it. The left hates it because the movie convicts them of their sin the slaughtering of unborn children. Well, Chalk Up Canada 
where all of the uh, something like 95% or 98% of all the movie theaters in Canada have joined together and refused to show the dirty crud under the Canadian refrigerators because the Canadians support the execution of innocent unborn children as well. Canada has gone down the dark side a long time ago. Canada does not have the background of the United States. Canada wasn't settled on the basis of a quest for religious freedom, as was the United States. It was, it was based on a quest for economic gain, be that uh, French fur traders, be that the English who were trying to take the French furs. It was a, it was a quest, not that a quest for economic freedom and, and economic gain is by itself bad. It just wasn't rooted in things that are spiritual. Now, there are some great, I know some great Canadians, ones that deplore the demise of their own country, but their country didn't start from a pinnacle of religious aspiration and exhortation and inspiration. They're, they're there, but there's no, there is nowhere near the freedom of speech in Canada as there is in the United States. Although, in the United States, we're trying to catch up with the suppression of godly rightful speech as they suppress in Canada. But Canada is no long, Canada is not interested in the truth either as it comes to the issue of abortion. I will never forget the guest I had on the program who himself was a radio host from a place called Red Deer Canada. I think it's in Alberta. And he happened to tell me why he was up to $250,000 in legal expenses fighting the Alberta Human Rights Commission because he had the audacity to quote the Bible on the air that man shall not you know, do with mankind as he does with womankind because it's an abomination. He quoted a passage dealing with queer sex and how God hates it, and it's abominable, it's putrid. And he's up to a quarter of a million dollars in Canadian money just defending the right to speak the word of God over the air. He lost. New York Times, better known as the New York Slimes. This is a newspaper. I don't know. It goes worldwide. There, we, there are New York Times subscribers throughout the entire world. But I tend to call it like the L.A. Times. It's kind of the New York Slimes and the L.A. Slimes. It's a paper that, in my opinion, my sometimes less than humble opinion, I admit, will, will, is probably not even fit enough to use to train your dogs. I think your dogs, your puppies that you're trying to train deserve even a better paper to poop on than the New York Times. Here's their article. The op-ed section. But the only print in their op-ed section the op-eds that reflect the opinion of the New York Times. Now, understand that. Left-wing newspapers do not let, by and large, conservative op-ed pieces emerge. They select op-ed pieces that line up. In other words, they take free publicity to, put, for the, to push the left-wing agenda of the paper by letting on the opinion and editorial pages that which reflects their own opinion, even though it's not written by staff writers. That way, they, they try to convince people that the great public opinion happens to coincidentally line up with what the New York Slimes believes is the only thing fit to read. As we said, you're going to have to scrape some doggy doo if you want to read it off that paper. But anyway, here's the piece. New York Times. Pregnancy kills... Abortion saves lives. Now, if you are befuddled, if you are stunned, if you are bewildered, if you are, uh, what's there's another word I got there? Well, just scratching your head, how on earth could anybody with one ounce of gray matter conclude that pregnancy kills, but abortion saves lives? Well, Here's how they do it. The piece is written by some alleged, calls himself a doctor, Warren Hearn. He specializes in late-term abortions. 
But the, but, but the New York Times is pushing this piece because it's what they agree in. He said, quote, pregnancy always comes with some risk of death. Well, I suppose that is somewhat true. You can die in the course of a pregnancy or the course of giving birth, as rare as it might be. But driving a car always comes with a, a measure of risk of death. I was flying the last two days. It always comes with a risk of death. But are we going to stop driving? Are we stop going to f- stop flying? Because staying at home supposedly doesn't come with a risk of death when, in fact, it, it does. I mean, you can trip over a chair in the middle of the night and, and wreck yourself going through your house, right? But this is, this is what this doctor is, is essentially saying, and I use the term doctor loosely. You abort, abortion is good because there is a, a, an unknown health problem might arise in the future due to your pregnancy. That's right. You abort now because an unknown health problem may arise in the future. And to which I, I have to respond to my own rhetorical question here. What unknown health problem is greater than death? He says Alabama's new law claims that it does not prohibit abortion if there is, quote, a reasonable medical judgment that the pregnancy poses a serious health health risk to the woman. But pregnancy itself poses a serious health risk, including the risk of dying and losing all bodily functions. End quote. Now here's what concerns me. You get some left-wing maniacal judge, one with blood on his teeth or her teeth, because they love abortion, will actually use what this doctor has said to con- to contend that every woman who can get a doctor that says that there's a reasonable medical judgment that pregnancy poses a serious health risk to the woman will get the right to slaughter their unborn child. So I think it's very high I think it's very likely Alabama's going to have to head this off and reword this. Because this slime ball abortionist that wrote this piece in the LA Slimes may have provided the legal fodder to get around this law. I'm going to read this from, uh, from by the, uh, the writer from Breitbart. He says, well, Dr. Hearn notes, um, now you know what, it's too long. I've got to summarize it here. Uh, this alleged doctor goes on to talk about uh, black women and stating that black women, that this is basically a racist piece of legislation. Because, as he states, quote, black women are more likely to die from pregnancy in Alabama than white women, end quote. And concludes that there's a racist component to wanting to save the lives of unborn children because supposedly more black women die from pregnancy in Alabama than white women. But he also fails to mention, and it is a fact, that black women also are much more likely to abort their children. So the fact of the matter is, proportionately, the actual statistic is that black babies are 300% more likely to be aborted than white babies. And it's the reason, and, and, and it's the reason that ab- abortion providers, the killing giants like Planned Non-Parenthood, intentionally target black neighborhoods for their clinics. Look where all the clinics are in California, black neighborhoods and Hispanic neighborhoods. Just what you'd expect from an organization that was founded by Margaret Sanger, who was a racist and thought that they were an inferior race and let's get rid of blacks. And she hadn't dealt with Hispanics yet because Hispanics weren't in front of her as an American woman. The blacks were. And so she was a racist. She's a founder of Planned Parenthood. Is it any accident that the Planned Parenthood clinics are in Hispanic and black neighborhoods? No. So no wonder they're 300% more likely because you go around the corner and there's another place telling you to kill your child. But the doctor allegedly here says, I mean, allegedly a doctor, 
He does not say that while pregnancies are, he doesn't say that pregnancies are rarely fatal. But this is a point that he misses. Abortions are always fatal. Pregnancy, rarely fatal. Abortion, always fatal. So as a practitioner of late-term abortions, obviously he's seen these babies ripped apart. Because in the late-term abortions that the New York Times supports, they typically will pierce the baby's skull. Hang on. If you don't know that this happens, you need to know. You'll pierce the baby's skull, and then you suck the brains out, the brain out, not the brains, but the brain out with a suction device, causing the skull to collapse. And then you remove the baby through the birth canal, scrape out the remaining fetal tissue, and you call this a woman's right to choose. You call this reproductive freedom to execute with a suction tube, the brain out of your child as just before the child comes out of the womb. Collapses skull, and these are the humanitarians. These people are fit for no place other than hell. And there's a special place in hell for abortionists and all those who encourage people to get abortions like the very, very nasty, and nasty is the only word to describe her, Actually, you know, I look at the faces of these pro-abort women. They're all nasty. They all got hatred. They got venom and vitriol on their face. They're not pretty. They're not nice because they're working overtime to cover up their own sin. But Hawaii Senator, the nasty Democrat, sorry for the redundancy here, Maisie Hirano was up speaking and boasting about how she was speaking to a group of eighth-grade lab rats, guinea pigs, I mean students, at a government school in Hawaii, and how she indoctrinated them into her pro-abortion view. I want to quote Miss Nasty from Hawaii. She said, quote, Justices Gorsuch Gorsuch and Kavanaugh, are you listening? I just met with eighth graders at a public school in Hawaii, and I told them that I was coming for a rally in front of the Supreme Court, and they said, why? Now they, and she, of course, she's lying. Hirano lies all the time, so she's she's lying about these facts, the way she, well, at, least, at least the way that this thing uh, resulted. But they didn't say, oh, why? They, oh, come on. And I said, it's because we have a right to fight for abortion rights, and they all knew about it. And I asked the girls of that group of eighth graders, how many of you girls think the government should be telling us women when and if we want to have babies? And not a single one of them raised their hands, but they applauded. Well, first of all, when you've got your senator, the nasty Hirano, belching out pro-abortion stuff in the face of these eighth grade girls, 12 12 and 13-year-olds, how many of them, first of all, are going to disagree anyway? But, but then she lies because the government is not telling them when they can have a baby. It's not telling them that they have to have a baby. They're just telling them, the women, not what they can do with their bodies. The, the, the Alabama law tells them what the women can't do with someone else's body. Quit lying, Mazzy, a maniacal demoncrat. We'll be right back. Red Sky Radio with Rob Walter is a listener-supported program. Please know that 100% of your contribution goes to pay for airtime so that as many people as possible are able to hear that the Word of God has answers to every meaningful problem and issue in life. No one gets paid a salary at Red Sky Radio with Rob Walter, but in response to your support, we pledge to bring you the most timely and critical information you need to help make informed decisions in this age of media bias and a growing hostility to all things Christian. Your partnership makes you one of the watchmen on the wall with us, as described in the book of Ezekiel. Please send your support to Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. That's Red Sky Radio. P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. Thank you.
Yeah, we're back. Rob Walter with Red Sky Radio. So where do we go? Can we go to Kathmandu? Where do we go to escape this evil? Well, I have to tell you, I'm not ready to escape. I will stay here and fight a civil war if necessary. I, and it will be necessary. This is a program this week focusing on why the, the civil war, giving you evidence of why it is inevitable, why it is coming faster in the United States than what we think. And the next story is simply a continuation of that proof. The Democratic Party, in my opinion, is the Democrat Party. They are out now to purge the party of all the people, all five in the House of Representatives that are pro-life. What, there are 223 Democrats and 218 are Democrats. There are five that are pro-life, and they want to get rid of them. And what the Democratic Party is planning to do is fund pro-abort challengers to those individuals in their upcoming primaries. These are Democrats wanting to defeat Democrats because they aren't pro-death enough. They don't want somebody to actually uh, stand up in their party for a right to life. This is what they said. They said that the pro-lifers have no place in the Democratic Party. And they intend would tend to fight for their exclusion. Now here's one, uh, Pramita Jayapal, some democrat from Washington state, where the where the Democrats are pretty much all democrats in that state. She said, "I think we should have strong primary challenges." so that people can really put their Democratic chops on the line, if you will, and let the Democratic voters decide who they want. i got to stop here for a second. The Democrats that voted for these five pro-life Democrats already did this once, but now these five are being called out, marginalized, to shame them in the next Democratic primary by focusing all their time and their money on defeating the people the few remaining ones in the Democratic Party that are actually pro-life. She continues on. This is a Democrat position, folks. Quote, you can't say you're a Democrat if you're against illegal immigration. She calls it immigrants, but she means illegal. We're not against immigration. The left knows that, but illegal immigrants. You can't say you're a Democrat if you're against illegal immigration, if you're against abortion, if you're against gay marriage and LGBTQ rights. I'm not sure. What, well, so here you have it. The Democrat Party is out to get rid of anybody who's pro-life, anybody who's righteous enough and has guts enough to say that queer mania is against God's will and it's a, a putrid stain on this country if this country doesn't have the guts to stand up to illegal immigrants and illegal immigration you're not a democrat there is no this is a party supposedly of tolerance and inclusion and they want to kick everybody else out that doesn't have fellowship and communion with satan that's where we are folks how can that not lead to a civil war when the left is just going further left. I, was I sat next to a guy on a plane the other day. I told him, I said, look, the last thing you can do is surrender your guns. He said, don't worry. I will never surrender my guns. I said, well, you might have to surrender your life in the process of not surrendering your guns. He goes, so be it. And I said, right on, man. He's a new listener now to Red Sky Radio. He asked me for, I gave him his card. He said, hey, or he gave me his card. He said, put me on your list, man. I'll spread the word. So now we're up to 85,001 listeners. But this is where the Democrats are, folks. Excluding, excluding anything and everything righteous, good, and healthy. How can there be peace between two parties when one stands for exalting the queer flag from right on down to celebrating as righteous and godly, which they do, 
the execution of 62 million children in the womb. Well, I will say, I, you know, I mentioned earlier about the left's support of physical attacks on the right. But where if there's any attack by anybody supposedly on the right, which they don't do on the left, that, you know, then it's just, you know, we get ripped to shreds. But in that, the, the left is, is corrupt in its incestuous relationship with a corrupt media. And they want to create a world where uh, this one writer for Breitbart, I'll just quote him, said, it's an animal farm affirmative action world where the left will enjoy more civil rights than the right. I'm going to continue the quote here. This is good from Breitbart. When the right says something like the media, that the media do not like, it is violent, it's racism, and it's dangerous. But when the left actually assaults someone, they consider it great. The political elite, academia, the news media, Hollywood, and our tech lords are all abusing their power to grant the left their civil right to say and do whatever they like, including violence in the support of groups like Antifa. Meanwhile, the right is silenced and slapped with scarlet letters over terms and traditional beliefs for refusing to call a biological man a woman, for opposing abortion and gay marriage, for using the term illegal alien as opposed to undocumented immigrant. We are censored, blacklisted, deplatformed, and we disappear over ideas and words while the left engages in actual violence and is applauded for it. So you have no organizations like CBS now joining CNN in legitimizing, condoning, and encouraging physical assaults, but only against one class of people, the unprotected class, the conservatives. Now, and I'm still quoting, folks, now ask me again why the political elite, the news media, the tech lords, and academia in Hollywood are so desperate to take away our Second Amendment rights to keep and bear arms. Oh, my gosh. End quote. The, end, the quote ended before my, oh, my gosh. How poignant, how true, how prophetic. They're after our guns. This person said what I've been saying for the last 14 years, 15, whatever. How many, what, how, what have we been on here? 15 years we've been on the air that we will have a civil war, the country is going to split, and it will ultimately be over guns. Abortion is fueling the debate. <clears throat> but as long as we have guns and ammo, that debate cannot be conclusively ended in the left's favor unless they attempt to take them away. So when you are required to register your guns, you must disobey the law. You must not tell the truth as it relates to what you have. And I am feeling compelled, it's been a couple of years since I've done it, to repeat a program, not a rerun, I'll redo it, the compelling case for biblical civil disobedience. Yep, that's right. Okay, moving on to why we are headed towards a civil war. So you got Ilhan Shmalahu Shmakbar Omar trashing America where she came out the other day and says, ignorance is really pervasive in many parts of this country, end quote. It's really pervasive. Who does this sound like? Does this remind you of, of, this, of, of this woman saying any, what does she remind you of with that comment? Ignorance is really pervasive in many parts of this country. I'll, I'll tell you, it hit me right away when I read this. It reminded me of Obama. She's just paraphrasing Obama when he said there are parts of this country where people cling to their guns and their religion. In other words, Obama was lamenting and deploring the fact that there are people in the United States that actually treasure, Baracky baby, the First and the Second Amendment, or as he, as he stated, it would be the Second and the First Amendment. Those who are clinging to their guns and their religion are people who are clinging to the Second Amendment and the First Amendment. They are people 
uh, Brock. They are people, Ilhan, who actually are clinging to the Constitution. So take off your scarf and get the heck back to Somalia, you piece of garbage. Then we got Ocasio-Cortez, who, I, I don't know why I keep bringing out a new case of stupidity, but the left continues to support this woman. This is why, this is another reason we're just headed towards civil war, folks, and she's trying to turn it into a racist war. It's what the left does. It spends all the time trying to keep, not only keep people on the plantation, racially, but stirring up the people on the plantation to tell them that everybody that's trying to keep them down are Republican masters. We're the ones that have them in lock chain and seductive welfare, and you name it, are all on the left. But Ocasio-Cortez was, was, was um, going through some gardens the other day, I think in, uh, I don't know where it was, New, it was somewhere in New York, and there was commenting on what kind of garden comports with the Green New Deal. And this uh, this blows me away. She said, so she's taking this tour of these farms, and she was suggesting that vegetable gardens are a way to take a personal approach to alleviating the carbon footprint of industrial farming. Well, she overstated, are, 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 are urban gardens a good thing? Yes. Do I applaud people who are doing their own gardening? Yes. Do I like organic gardening? Yes. Do I like being freed from some industrial-based uh, farming? Well, yes and no. Uh, the fact of the matter is we wouldn't have food as cheaply as we do if we didn't have industrial-based farming. So she's wrong on that. But I like, the, I like the organic part of it to some extent, to some extent. But she doesn't stop there. She says, this is, I've got to quote her, you are not going to believe what the Democrats consider intellect. But when you really think about it, she's speaking here, when someone says it's too hard to do a green space that grows yucca instead of, oh, I don't know, cauliflower, let's say, or something, what you're doing is you're taking a colonial approach to environmentalism. So let me stop there just a second. If you're in the city and you like cauliflower and you want to grow cauliflower, you're taking a colonial approach to environmentalism because you're not growing yucca instead of cauliflower. Well, you bag of hot air, I love cauliflower. And I have I've not had a yucca sandwich lately. I am not looking for a place that serves yucca sandwiches. It could be that yucca sandwiches is just an ex is should be a yuck sandwich. I don't know. But she's not done. When she talks and blasts wait a second, do you remember who was it that was it George Bush that didn't like broccoli? And he made some comment that he just didn't like didn't care for broccoli or Brussels sprouts, or something. It was in that family, the cauliflower, broccoli, Brussels sprouts family. And he just got lampooned and blasted in the media because he simply made a statement of personal preference. He didn't care for broccoli. I think that's what it was. But now, Ocasio-Cortez takes a whack at cauliflower, but listen to this. She says, this is why a lot of communities of color are resistant to certain environmentalist movements because they come with a colonial lens. Can you believe this? What she is saying is that if you like cauliflower, and you're growing, because she was knocking cauliflower as being colonial, and communities of color don't like colonial vegetables such as cauliflower. The communities of color apparently don't like cauliflower because it's white. She doesn't say that, but that's what's between the lines. This stupidity, I mean, can you not say anything, you bag of hot air, without trying to stir up civil unrest and strife and animosity between the races? I, you know, there, there's a little good news piece i got to slip in here. There are more and more Jews that are trying to get up, they're rising up and trying to get these three bags of hot air Taliab, Omar, and Ocasio-Cortez thrown out. God bless you. I'll give money to the effort. 
I just cannot. I mean, okay, I got to quit with this. Cauliflower is colonial because it's white and it's colonial lens that we look through our we look through colonial lens at our vegetable gardens and we've chosen things that are white instead of things like yucca. And the communities of color, the black communities and the brown communities, they they don't like environmentalist stuff because they're because the environmentalists are still trying to grow colonial white vegetables. Gosh, I, I'm sorry. Okay, I got a we are probably the we probably have more listeners in any one city, and this is a fact. No more listeners in any one city than in Las Vegas. Number one city for Red Sky Radio both internet and terrestrial stations through uh, the great station there, which we are on, called KKVV. God bless you guys. You do a great job. That's Red Sky Radio's number one city, both from KKVV and from, it's the number one terrestrial station. It's also the number one internet market in the United States for Red Sky Radio. But I've got to warn you guys, my brothers and sisters in Nevada, your, your legislature made a huge, huge mistake when it voted to give all, what, three of Nevada's electoral votes in the next election to whoever wins the popular vote. Now, the governor hasn't signed that bill yet. He's expected to. As of the, I mean, I, as far as I know, at the time of this broadcast, he has not. He's expected to. But here's the, here are the two things that, that are happening. One is it pertains to the state of Nevada. A vote to give your electoral votes to the national popular vote winner is a vote by the legislators in Carson City, Nevada, to make Nevada irrelevant in the next election. You're voting to make your state irrelevant by throwing your three electoral votes to the national popular vote winner. Point number two this trend is increasing. It's the way to get around the Electoral College, to upend the Electoral College, and it is why the Democrats are so focused on voter fraud and voter fraud here and everywhere because all they got to do is win the popular vote, and they can upend the will of the people in those states that actually follow the law and follow the, the Electoral College, which is incredibly important because do we want the Democrats in California and New York running the whole country? No. It will be if if the if this passes and we now have the popular vote dictating who our president is, then what does the right have to do? Compete in the world of voter fraud so they don't have every single election ripped off by Democrats? Look, if you support queer marriage and everything queer, killing children in the womb and all of that stuff, what's voter fraud? It's a parking ticket. That's why they're so into it. That's why they subsidize it. It's why, well, you get the idea. Don't have to go on any further. Another point why we're in trouble as a country. And back to Ilhan Omar here who attacks who attacks conservatives on the floor. When she spoke the other day, she said, I rise up today, I'm quoting her, to defy the horrifying attacks happening against women's reproductive rights all across this country. Now, wait a minute, Omar. Are you, are you talking about Islam? What are you talking about here? You know, wait a second. I'm going to back out of this story. I'm going to save this for next week because I do not have enough time to do this piece justice. And I want to end on a high note. And this piece is not going to give me the time to do it. It's going to end on the, one of the lowest notes of the day. Just keep in mind, I'm going to tuck this away for next week. She will be just as stupid and, and American-hating and Christian-hating next week as she is now. So it will still remain relevant next week as it is this week. But I need to finish with something stronger here, something I promised you. And I promised you the piece on guns, too, and I'm not getting to that. So much I'm not getting to. But this week, I went out of state to a graduation. And it was a graduation at a Christian school. And I went there, and I've got to tell you, there are times when you do this program, and I will get, you know, hostile responses, people hate the truth, that I've got to get around good people. Those of you listening in Las Vegas, North Las Vegas, there's a church I've 
preached at twice. I hope you invite me back again this year. I want to be around good people. I periodically, we just need that encouragement, right? We all need that. Wherever we are, in India, Pakistan, we need to get around at some point in time. We need encouragement from people who love Jesus Christ, who love the Lord, who support the, the gospel, who would die for the gospel. We need inspiration. We don't need millions behind us, but we do need a few. It's why Elijah felt like the lone stranger when he challenged Jezebel. And he was strong and waxed strong and godly in the defeat of Jezebel and the 450 prophets of Baal that were slaughtered. But apparently he didn't have any supporters because when Jezebel spoke to him that said, hey, God, do to me and more also, by this time tomorrow, you're not deader than a doornail. He fled and then ended up in a cave and said, God, I'm the only one. I'm all alone. There's nobody like me. You know, just end my life because this isn't worth it. There's nobody else. And God speaks to him and said, you're not alone. There are 7,000 in Israel that have not bowed their knee to Baal. Do you think that was encouraging? Of course it was. Because he went on to do some great things after that. There are times when each and every one of us can feel like Elijah in that cave. God, just take me out of here. I'm alone. I alone seem to be fighting this battle. And know that when we reach a point like that, God is going to move, and he's going to move swiftly. He knows what we're made of. He knows that maybe we're hanging on to the window ledge by our fingertips, and we're about ready to drop and fall at any point in time. And we'll send someone to us or send us to some place to be encouraged, to strengthen us in our faith, to find out that there are 7,000 others that have not bowed their knee to Baal. And this is incredibly important. And so it was this last week that I flew to Colorado to participate, well, to witness a graduation of a family member who graduated from a Christian high school. Good young man. But it wasn't just about that. Actually, the greater joy was the greater the, the great number of people that, I don't know, this is a class of 100 from this Christian school, and I bet there were 1,500 in attendance at this graduation. Now, there are not, not, not normally 15 people in attendance for every graduate. But when I heard the band, I heard the, the girls' chorus. That's right, a girls' chorus. They were sweet. They were beautiful. They were godly. What they sang, the men's chorus, which sounded like, you know, a university glee club. They were that mature in their voice. They were that good and then the two of them came together, all the references to Scripture. The one that was lifted up more than the 100 graduates was Jesus Christ. When those two groups came together, the men joined the young women, and they sang a song called Give Me Jesus. It sounded like a rare... KKXX, Paradise, K280GL, Chico, and K283AR. News this hour from townhall.com, I'm Keith Peters. Israel's parliament voted to dissolve itself early Thursday, sending the country to an unprecedented second election this year. This represents a serious political failure for the Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. He had attempted to build a right-wing coalition. He needed more than 60 MPs in parliament. But the issue at the heart of this was an old dispute between a secular party in his right wing and the ultra-religious groups, both of whom he needed 
to form a majority. They have had a long-running dispute over an issue of drafting ultra-Orthodox young men into the army. Mr Netanyahu has been unable to hammer out an agreement. And so in what represents a serious crisis for his 10 years in office, there will now be fresh elections in Israel in September. The BBC's Tom Bateman. Special counsel Robert Mueller is cautioning that Americans must pay attention to Russian interference in our elections. Mueller says there were multiple systematic efforts to interfere. And that allegation deserves the attention of every American. As to possible obstruction of justice, Mueller cited longstanding department policy. A president cannot be charged with a federal crime while he is in office. That is unconstitutional. On calls that he testified before Congress. The report is my testimony.